Amen. It is good to be here this morning. Good to see each one of you. Trust you've had a good week this week. Let me give you a couple of announcements just real quick. Uh, don't forget, uh, well, let me give you this one first, if you will. Uh, Miss Shirley asked if we would to announce uh, Morgan will be having a baby shower next Sunday, uh, September the 13th at Wildlife Lake in Low Gap. Uh, from 2 to 4, and she wanted to let everybody know that everyone is invited. So don't forget that. Morgan's baby shower will be next Sunday uh, from 2 to 4 at Wildlife Lake in, in Low Gap. Uh, so don't forget that. Then don't forget, uh, I just asked her a second ago, and I done forgot, Allie's baby shower, not baby shower, let me rephrase that, <laughs> Allie's wet, uh, housewarming shower. Uh, see, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Allie's housewarming shower, Allie and Noah, will be on the, what did you tell me, 19th? On on the what? They don't know when it is either, but there's a, there's a, there's a uh, card back there on the board. Make sure you look at that and uh, got on there when they're registered and all that. That'll be here at the church. Whatever day it is, it'll be here at the church at 2 o'clock, I believe. And uh, so make sure you look at that. Then my wife wanted me, if you, if I would, uh, to announce one more time, any of you ladies that will be interested in going down to Canaan, uh, she will be speaking in the ladies' conference on September the 24th, 6th. I'm so messed up, it's not even funny. Uh, on September the 26th, she'll be speaking in the ladies' conference down there. Uh, they're going to feed you a brunch. Then you're going to stay, and there's going to be several speakers uh, that day. Then they'll feed you a meal afterwards. won't cost you a thing. Uh, I think they are going to take up a love offering for those they'd like to give, but it won't cost anything. Uh, we'll take the bus. We'll, I'll be more happy to drive. We'll take you down, bring you back. Won't cost you a dime, no gas, no nothing. Uh, so if you'd be interested in going, if you'll make sure to let Kendra know today. Uh, she said she's going to try to get with Miss Pam and let her know for sure today uh, how many was coming, all right? If you don't know for sure, we can try to work it out. But if there's any way you can, let her know today so she can get them a number, all right? Uh, so don't forget that. Any other announcements I need to mention real quick before we take up prayer requests? All right. If not, I do have several requests on my heart. Uh, let me remind you of this quickly. Don't forget. October the 1st through the 3rd, that'll be here for you know it. Uh, we will be having our revival of the home. Talk to Brother David Edwards and Brother Curtis Ponder. They're both excited about coming. Looking forward to coming being with us, preaching on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And uh, I'm looking forward to that meeting. Do help me pray. Uh, some of the singing, some different things came up. Some of the singing's not going to be able to come. Some double bookings and different things. And uh, So right now, what I know of, uh, on Thursday night, Amanda Lawson and their girls going to be singing for us on Thursday night. Don't have anybody for Friday night right yet. And then on Saturday night, the Graham family is going to be singing that week. So looking forward to that as well. All right? Uh, so maybe this morning, somebody have a special question on your heart before we pray. Somebody?
Remember these. Somebody else. Somebody else, Lord, pray. Amen. Somebody else. free this morning. All right. If so, Ronald, if you would, take the Lord in a word of prayer. Somebody got something on your heart, something you need to do. You mind the Lord this morning. Somebody Amen. 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 Amen.
Amen. Amen. Anyway. Somebody else. Mind the Lord. All hearts free. All right. Take your Bibles this morning. Go with me to the book of Ruth. Book of Ruth, chapter number one. Uh, while you're turning, let me say this. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, just seemed like I couldn't get away from this yesterday. Uh, I don't know. Me and Kendra had a little bit of a date night last night. And maybe I was just in a romantic mood. I don't know. But uh, I just couldn't get away from the book of Ruth. And I, I love the book of Ruth. I just love it. I, it's my favorite book in all the Bible. And uh, I, I, that wasn't that funny, by the way. So every once in a while, I can get romantic, all right? Uh, but I, I love the book of Ruth. And what I want to start this morning uh, I want to start and preach a series of messages through uh, the book of Ruth. I want to do my best to do that, and uh, I know the teenage girls have went through that. I think the teenage boys just got done going through it, and uh, but I know it'll be a little bit of a recap for them. I won't go as in-depth as we have been in the book of Jude, but I do want to preach through the book of Ruth. We'll probably get through maybe, I don't know, maybe... Uh, Six, seven verses today. Uh, in fact, I tell you what, let's do. Let's go to Ruth chapter four and let me read there and give you an idea where we're going. And then we'll go back to Ruth chapter one. All right. Ruth chapter four. Let's start reading in verse number one. When you can enable, you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. Ruth chapter number four. And verse number one, the Bible said, Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. Behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Hold such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders down here, and they sat down, and he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of the people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee. Now I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Verse 5, Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Verse 7, now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Bear with me just a minute, I'm almost done. Verse 8, therefore the kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for thee. Uh, so he drew off his shoe. Now watch verse 9. Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all, what's that say? I have bought all that was Elimelech's uh, and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. 
Verse 10, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren, and from the gate of his place, your witnesses this day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I truly love you. Help us this morning as we study your word together. Lord, I pray most of all for that one here. Lost under without you. Save them for it's everlasting too late. Lord, just for a little while, Lord, I pray that God would you clothe me in the cloak of my cold and give me, give me utterance, give me unction, Lord, that only comes from you. Save that one. I'm nearest to the devil's head. We'll be careful. I had to give you all the praise, honor, and glory for we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. You be seated and thank you for standing. Now, I want to, I know I read several verses there, and we'll not get to that today, but I want to give you, uh, where we're headed, and I want to give you a title, uh, for this series. I don't do that much, or a whole lot of times, but, uh, if I had to title it, John, I'd, I'd title it just like this, uh, The Romance of Redemption. Now, uh, that's what the book of Ruth is. It's a story about redeeming, but it's not only, uh, the redemption that's being dealt with, but there's a romance and uh, let me just say this I, I, I do I love the book of Ruth uh, there's a lot of introduction needs to be dealt with uh, uh, but for sake of time I'm not going to do it like normal I'm going to do a lot of things different this over the next few weeks uh, I'm going to give you a few things every Sunday morning uh, uh, by way of introduction alright I'm not going to deal with it all in one time uh, we're going to do several things and move on through okay uh, so by way of introduction let me tell you a few things about the book of Ruth uh, it's the story of a wealthy Jew uh, who married a Gentile bride. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, there's two books in your Bible that is uh, named after women. The book of Ruth and the book of Esther. Isn't that right? And they're, uh, they're similar in some ways, uh, uh, but they're also a contrast in some ways. Uh, uh, the book of Ruth is about a wealthy Jew that married a Gentile bride. Uh, uh, the book of Esther is about a wealthy Gentile that married a Jewish bride. Are you with me? Uh, so there are contrasts between the two. But uh, Ruth is about a wealthy Jew uh, uh, that married a Gentile bride. Now that's important. Uh, it's also interesting to note <coughs> the book of Ruth is the eighth book in your Bible. If you start at Genesis, go through, it's the eighth book. Eight's always a picture of new beginnings, isn't that right? It's always a, a picture and a type of something new. And uh, John chapter eight, that woman that uh, uh, that woman that was caught in adultery, and Jesus wrote in the ground, uh, wrote in the sand. That was a new beginning for that woman. In fact, it was the uh, eighth verse of John chapter eight where that uh, Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground that what caused her accusers to flee it's always a picture of the new beginnings now let me say this. The book of Ruth not only is, uh, is the eighth book, picture of new beginnings, but uh, I like everything about the book of Ruth. It deals with some of the most important uh, things in our lives. When you look at it literally, uh, now there's a literal application, then there's also a spiritual application, and we'll look at both, but uh, literally it deals with a lot of things we deal with. Uh, it starts with a death. Did you know that? That's how it starts out. I mean, you're just two, three verses into 
to it and somebody's already died. Uh, and we know that, uh, we know the Bible said man born of a woman a few days full of trouble. We know, John, that uh, as the point of man wants to die and after this is a judgment, uh, uh, we know that sickness comes, death comes, uh, it starts with a death. But then if you go over to chapter 4, uh, you know how it ends. It started out with a death, but it ends with a birth. Did you know that? Uh, aren't you glad the Lord always saves the best for last? Uh, Ain't that right? Uh, we look at our life and it starts with a birth and it ends with a death. Isn't that right? That's not what the Lord said. He started with a death uh, and ended with a birth. Isn't that right? I, I believe there might be some symbolism there. I believe the night I got saved, the old man died and there was a new birth. Isn't that right? Ain't that right? Oh, y'all got to help me just a little bit. Uh, hey, you said, preacher, I come. Thank God because of my kinsman redeemer. Uh, the old man's died and now there's a new birth. Uh, aren't you glad for that? Uh, it started with a death and ended with a birth. Now, stay with me. I want to show you something about the book of Ruth. Uh, and then we're going to get into preaching, all right? Uh, now, look where Ruth is in your Bible. I told you that it's a the eighth book of your Bible, but the the, the, the the book, uh, uh, right before it, Kirk, is the book of Judges. And uh, if you know anything about your Bible, you know that the, during the time of the book of Judges, uh, uh, the nation of Israel was going through the darkest uh, uh, time of their life. The nation of Israel, uh, uh, John, they were going through wicked, evil times. Uh, uh, almost kindly sounds like what we're going through today, don't it? Uh, in fact, you said, preacher, what do you mean? What's what your Bible said uh, in Ruth chapter 1? verse number one. And that came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. That the, the Lord takes time right at the very beginning to say, I want you to understand that where we are in the time frame. He said this is taking place, Brother Chris, right during the time that the judges ruled. Isn't that right? Well, what was the times when Judges ruled? Look with me. In Judges chapter 21, verse 25, last verse of the book of Judges, Bible said in those days there was no king in Israel. Uh, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Boy, doesn't that sound like today? Uh, everybody just did, John, what they thought was right. Uh, Ain't that right? Go ahead and nod your You got to stay with me. I'm, I, I'm still an introduction. You got to stay with me. All right. Now listen. I, I, we swear that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I, I, now you say, preacher, what are you saying? You know why? I, I, that abortions are at all time high because everybody's doing what's right I, in their own eyes. You know why homosexuality I, I, is on a rampage because everybody's doing what's right I, I, in their own eyes. You know why that sin. I, uh, is rampant in our society uh, because there is no king and every man does that uh, uh, which is right in his own eyes. Uh, uh, they're in the deepest, darkest struggle uh, uh, that the nation of Israel has ever been in. Uh, and that's exactly where the book of Ruth uh, uh, takes place. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, now look with me if you would to the end of the book of Ruth. Uh, uh, right after the book of Ruth you'll find just a little four chapter uh, book of Ruth you'll find that a book of First Samuel and your brother Kenny I hit on this just a little bit this morning it's amazing how all this is tying together but in the book of First Samuel 
you'll find that the nation of Israel uh, uh, began to cry out and say, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but to make it, they said, everybody else has got a king. Uh, we want a king. Isn't that right? Uh, the Bible said in the book of Judges that there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Uh, so they decided they needed a king. Isn't that right? Uh, and they appointed Saul uh, uh, to be king. Saul stood head and shoulders above all the rest of the men of Israel. Uh, is what the Bible said. He was a big man, a large man, uh, and John, no doubt, they thought he must be a king uh, uh, that we can be proud of. Isn't that right? Uh, and so they appointed Saul to be king. Now let me say this. The Lord never uh, told them to appoint Saul to be king. Isn't that right? But they cried and bellyached enough that finally the Lord said, you want a king? Have a king. Isn't that right? That's just right. He said, you're going to cry and bellyache about it. I'll give you a king till you're sick of it. Isn't that right? Uh, that's the way it allowed them to appoint Saul. It was man's king. It was what was pleasing to the eye. That become, well, stay with me. Please stay with me because I wasn't planning on getting into all this, but I'm going to. That becomes a picture of the Antichrist, by the way. Uh, we realize after the after the rapture takes place, there'll be a man, John, that'll come on the scene that'll look good. He'll sound good. Uh, it'll seem like everything's great and Kirk, the world will follow him uh, and flock to him. Uh, uh, it'll be they'll, they'll be amazed by what he says and what he does, and it'll seem that everything is good. First Samuel's a picture of God, of man's king. But then you fast forward a little bit to Second Samuel, uh, and now Saul's dead, and God uh, uh, finally has God's king on the throne. Uh, David, a man after God's own heart, uh, a man that followed the Lord, a man that. Uh, ruled with integrity and ruled in faith. Uh, uh, finally, he had God's man uh, on the throne. Now you say, preacher, what do you say? Now he's dealing with Israel, isn't that right? Judges was the darkest days. Stay with me, please. We'll hit this. I know I'm going fast. Stay with me, though. Judges was the darkest days in the nation of Israel. Isn't that right? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You fast forward a little bit after that, Jessica, they had man's king that uh, man thought would be good. And man, they did it their own way, John. Uh, and then fast forward just a little bit more and finally God's man is on the throne. Yeah. You know what I believe the judges becomes a picture of in this application? You remember over there when Jesus was crucified and the Bible said that those Jews cried out and said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Remember what they said? They made this statement. Uh, uh, they said, let his blood be on our hands uh, and the hands of our children. Isn't that right? The darkest day in the nation of Israel. Brother Kenny hit a little bit in Sunday school this morning. The Messiah came. Uh, uh, they ought to know him. They should have, should have accepted him. Uh, yet, Kirk, they crucified him uh, and said, let his blood be on our hands and the hands of our children. You say, preacher, what happened? The Lord heard him uh, and he's honored their request. Ain't that right? And there'll come a day, now listen to me, there'll come a day uh, that, that, that the Jews, uh, uh, that right now they're living in a time, John, that uh, they're going their own way, they're doing their own thing, they're doing everything they can, uh, uh, but thank God. 
but there is coming a day uh, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will return uh, uh, call the Jews back unto himself isn't that right now I know we're getting a lot of deep stuff just stay with me call the Jews back unto himself uh, uh, are you with me are you with me stay with me now uh, uh, call them back unto himself and he'll rule and reign uh, uh, without opposition now so that carries us through we see the pictures we see the types but what I'm interested around is you know what's right in the middle of all that Jewish history I mean you find their darkest day you find John when they appointed their king. You find when God appointed his king. You find everybody that went. But you know what's right smack dab in the middle of all that? A little four chapter story about a Gentile bride. Is that right? Right after the darkest day of the nation of Israel, you find a little story about a Gentile bride. I hope y'all getting that. Oh, you say, preacher, what do you mean? They said, let his blood be on our hands and the hands of our children. You know what God did? He heard them, John, and he honored that request. And he turned his attention to the Gentile. Isn't that right? Uh, Isn't that right? You say, listen, God's not done with Israel. He's bringing them back. He will restore them. The tribulation is a time of Jacob's trouble. But aren't you glad for just a little section of time, Chris, that God allowed the Gentiles to get in and we were able to be grafted into the family of God. Aren't you glad for just a little story about a Gentile bride? Oh, yes, friend. You said, preacher, the book of Ruth. What is it? It's a love story. It's a story of redemption. It's an historical fact. But it's also great symbolism and great typology of our salvation. You say, preacher, what are you going to say about that? Can I give you a few things? I'm still on my introduction. I ain't started preaching yet. Let me give you a few more things by way of introduction. I'm going to give you where we're headed over the next few weeks. And I promise I'll just be a few minutes to preach. I want to show you some things about the book of Ruth. There's four chapters, isn't that right? I'd love, I used to, I told my wife this morning, I used to go preach through the book of Ruth in four services, but I can't do it no more. It seems like it takes me longer than it used to, but I used to could do that. But let me tell you about the four chapters real quick, all right? Chapter one, you'll find weeping days. That right? You know a little bit about the story. They go down to Moab, Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, Chilion. They go down to Moab. Elimelech dies, Malon dies, Chilion dies. I mean, John in chapter 1, they are weeping. It seems like that everything that could possibly go wrong has went wrong. There's weeping in chapter 1. You fast forward a little bit chapter 2. Ruth and Naomi have come out of Moab. They're going back into Bethlehem. And you'll find that Ruth Ruth made her way to the field, uh, and the Bible said, boy, like I said it too, that her hap was to lie on the Boaz's field. She just happened to walk in the Boaz's field. What about that? Now, chapter one's weeping days, chapter two's working days. Ain't that right? All of chapter two, all you'll find is Ruth working in the field, gleaning in the field, doing laboring in the field. What about chapter three? Well, I'm glad you asked. Chapter three is waiting days. Ain't that right? You say, preacher, what do you mean? The end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3, you'll find that Ruth told Naomi who she's working for. Naomi said, oh, he's a near kinsman. And I just see it. I just see it between them. As Ruth said, "You know, he's just so handsome. He's just, he's the best looking man I've ever seen. And he's been so good to me. And Naomi said, you don't understand. He's a near kinsman. You could marry him. Isn't that right? And here's what she said. She said, Ruth, go wash thyself. But 
up and then she said, change thy garments. And then she said, anoint thyself. You know what she was saying? Go take your bath, get cleaned up, put on some nicer clothes, splash on some perfume. That's exactly what she was saying. And go down the way it was and you make your move. Oh, it was waiting days. Ruth went down there and she told Boaz and Boaz said, there's a problem. And he said, do I not rest till it be solved? I'm paraphrasing, but stay with me. And the rest of chapter 3, Brother Chris, all Ruth's are doing is waiting to find out what's going to happen. Is that right? Then comes chapter 4. Say, preacher, what's chapter 4? Wedding days. Ain't that right? Boaz purchases Ruth to be his bride. And in chapter 4, they marry. Isn't that right? Can I, I, I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying my best. I love the book of Ruth. We're going to be here all day. I'm just going to be a hoss with you. Can I tell you this? Chapter 2, she was working in the field. Chapter 4, she owned the field. Ain't that right? You ever thought about that? Chapter 2, she was working in the field. But by the end of chapter 4, she owned it. Ain't that right? God, hit that a preach. Hey, let me say it one more time just for me. It felt pretty good. Hansel in chapter 2, she's working in the field. But by the end of chapter 4, she owned it. I believe the Bible said somebody made us heirs with Christ, heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? You say, preacher, what's that mean? Can I show you something? Me and my wife, when we got married, Leona, we went. I had a check she had a check in the can. Ain't that right? Hey, when we got married, we went over there to state employees. And Tammy, we went in and we made what they call a joint checking account. You know what that meant? God help me, I'm about to come slap on loot. That meant that what was mine was now hers. And what was hers was now mine. I don't have it. She's got it. But she, she listened to me. But if I showed you a check this morning, it had my name and her name. You know what? that means. Uh, uh, that means, Johnny, doesn't matter who put it in there. Uh, I sign the check or she can sign it. Uh, yeah. That right. You say, preacher, what's it mean to be a joint heir with Christ? Uh, it means it doesn't matter whether he signs it or you sign it. Uh, what's his is yours and what's yours is his. Uh, uh, that ought to help somebody right here in just a minute. Uh, and she owned it by chapter 4. Isn't that right? Oh, there's so much in the book of Ruth, Naomi, that came out and said, call, call me no more name Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. I mean, she felt like God had forgotten her, felt like God had forsaken her. And by the end of chapter 4, you know what was happening? Boaz was a paying her to take care of her first grandbaby. Ain't that right? I mean, she had joy in her heart. God took a little woman by the name of her. I told you I wasn't going to give it all to you, but I guess I'm going to give you more than I thought. God took a little Moabitess woman, a little Gentile. That wasn't good for nothing. A Gentile dog. Heart not even be in Israel at all, John. And if you study it out, she's the great, great grandma of King David. That's exactly right. And I'm not real sure. I'm pretty sure about this. Y'all have to hit me a little bit. But I believe that the Lord was born into the lineage of David. So that means that God took a Gentile and put her in the lineage of Christ. No wonder he loved sinners. No wonder that he died for me. He had Gentile in him. That's right. God, I'm going to quit. I know. I see you losing you. Chapter 1's weeping days. Chapter 2 is working days. Chapter 3 is waiting days. Thank God chapter 4 is wedding days. Ain't that right? Can I give you a few things quickly? Look with me in Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to go fast. I know you know it. Ruth chapter 1. Let's look quickly this morning. Ruth chapter number 1. 
Bible said, let's read down about verse 7. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and there was a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, can I show you something quickly, real real quick this morning? Something interesting, it'll tell you what Brother Kenny's been doing. Bethlehem means this. It literally means, John, the house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means. Uh, Moab, they left Bethlehem and went to Moab. Moab is what's referred to in your Bible as God's wash pot. I mean, they left the house of bread to go to God's wash pot. Isn't that right? Can I give you something that's, that tickled me this morning? Bethlehem means the house of bread. Did you know the last time you'll find Bethlehem mentioned in your Bible is John chapter 7. And it's in connection with the birth of the Lord. Remember, he was born in Bethlehem. Isn't that right? And it's in connection with that. In fact, Kirk, you can say it like this. After the Lord was born, Bethlehem is never mentioned in your Bible again. You know why? Anybody know why? Think you know why? Talk to me. I'm going to preach in just a minute. Anybody think they know why? There was no need for the house of bread. He was the bread of life. Ain't that right? The bread, my God hit me. The bread was no longer in a place, uh, but it was in a person. Isn't that right? Uh, oh, my, so I might preach something different than I thought it was. Uh, listen to me. Uh, Bethlehem was the house of bread. Uh, it was a place, John, that God had for his people. Uh, but after the birth of the Lord, Bethlehem will never be mentioned again in your Bible. Uh, bread's what sustains you. It's what satisfies you. It's what strengthens you. Uh, but it's no longer in a place. Uh, thank God. God, it's in a person. Uh, and it was never mentioned again uh, after the birth of the Savior. What about that? The Bible said they left Bethlehem and went to, Jew- and went to Moab. Watch your Bible. Verse 2. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. They came into the country of Moab and continued there. Verse 3, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left with her two sons and her husband. Uh, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab, how that the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. Verse 7, we'll end our reading there for sake of time. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return uh, unto the land of Judah. Now, uh, let me say this quickly. I'm hurt. I promise you, I've just got a few things to give you, and I'm done. Uh, You've heard me say it before, but let me say it again. There was a saying uh, that I think every preacher in North Carolina used to say uh, when I was about 10, 11, years old. They'd come in, John, every preacher you heard and make his statement and the Bible backs it up. It is a truth that goes all throughout the Bible. They'd make some of statements very similar to this. Sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. Uh, keep you longer than you
ever wanted to stay uh, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. Isn't that right? Now, we realize that God didn't want the Israelites in Moab. In fact, when he brought them out of Egypt and brought them through the uh, land, brought them through the wilderness, he told them they had to stay away from Moab, not to go to Moab. They was to dwell in the promised land. So we realize that now in the book of Ruth that Elimelech, Naomi, and his two sons have left where God wanted them to be and went to a heathen nation that served idol God, uh, uh, served uh, uh, pagan idols and served pagan gods. And uh, so we realized, John, it was a sin uh, for them to leave uh, Bethlehem and to go to Moab. Isn't that right? They were backsliding in some ways, if you would. Uh, there's an application there. there. It can be preached to the sinner uh, and be preached to the backslider and be preached to a lot, uh, a lot of different applications. Uh, but it was sin for them to leave. Now, I want to say that statement one more time. Sin will take you farther than you ever want to go, keep you longer than you ever want to stay, and cost you far more than you ever want to pay. Isn't that right? Now, keep that in mind. I'm going to give you about four things, and I'm done, okay? Uh, notice with me, if you would, quickly, in verse number one, the distance of sin. Watch what the Bible said, latter part of verse number one. The Bible says, A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now get the picture. The Bible said, In the days when the judges ruled, that a famine came into the land. And Elimelech, Naomi, and his two sons are in Bethlehem. And he said, they, the famine evidently was so bad that Elimelech said, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go sojourn down in Moab. Isn't that right? And so he left Bethlehem and went to Moab. Now, I've always found this interesting. Did you know... Uh, it wouldn't have been, John, but about 50 miles, maybe a little bit more, depending on how he went, from Bethlehem to Moab. It wasn't that great of a distance, but you got to remember, they didn't have cars, they didn't have trucks, they didn't have helicopters, they didn't have all that stuff. They walked, Kirk's what they did. They walked these 50 miles. It, and it was over very hilly and very treacherous country, some of the roughest country in that part of the world, they tell me. And, in fact, they say that it would have took at least seven to ten days, possibly 12 to 15 to walk from Bethlehem to Moab. Now that's pretty good ways. 10 to 15 days somewhere in there, John, that you were walking to leave one place to go to another. I mean, you put some distance between you. Ain't that right? Ain't that right? You say, preacher, what are you saying? Listen to me, listen to me well. Sin always takes you farther than you want to go. Is that Right? He said, let's go sojourn in the country of Moab. wonder if he realized striking out, it'd take him 10 to 12 days to get there. Now, I know it's getting real quiet, and I'm preaching a little bit different. I give you all the good stuff in the introduction. You should have shouted me out then. I might have stayed on it. <laughs> Listen to me. Sin always takes you farther than you want to go. It, there's a distance to sin. It always takes you farther. You think you have it under control. You think you've got it under wraps. You think you can handle it. But it always takes you farther than you meant to go. You can't show me one person that says that can honestly, honestly say. Now you might could say it, but I mean honestly mean it to say, preacher, I can control how far I go. You're a liar. 
You're, I mean, I, I, you just are, John. You're a liar. I mean, I know it's a cliche, and it's one of those little uh, sayings that preachers say, but how they used to say you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. There's a lot of truth to it. Before uh, you know it, it'll take you farther uh, than you want to go. He took seven to 15 days uh, to go from Bethlehem down uh, into Moab. They traveled farther than they ever realized they'd go. That right? That's how sin is, by the way. And the Bible said that we're born, the Bible teaches that we're born uh, with a sin nature. We covered it, I believe it was last week. Uh, you don't have to do anything to be lost. You just, you're born, man born one few days and full of trouble. For all of sin to come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no not one. All our righteousness is filthy rags. Uh, there's nothing we have to do to be a sinner. Uh, but sin always takes you farther uh, than you want to go. There's a distance to sin. Isn't that right? Y'all losing me. I told you, you, you done lost. Next, next Sunday, when I get my introduction, you shout me out, uh, and we'll try again next Sunday. But right now, we're just going to do what we're dealing with. Uh, it takes you farther than you want to go. Isn't that right? Sin always takes you farther than you want to go. And it always keeps you longer than you want to stay. Isn't that right? You'll go farther than you ever meant to go. Can I give you a little bit? I know some of you heard it, but when I was about... I don't know, 12, 13 years old. I remember it. I know y'all have heard this, but I remember it, Wendy, like it was yesterday. In my mind, I thought, I'm going to say that one little word, and it's going to get everybody off my back. It's going to get everybody quit making fun of me in school. I'm going to say one little word, Ansley, and that's all, as far as it's going. Just enough to get them off my back. Just enough, everybody quits picking on me, Michelle. Just enough to fit in just a little bit. Are you with me this morning? And I, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. I, I remember what I said. I remember where I said it. I, I remember what everybody else said when I said it. I, and then, Leona, I'll just be honest with you. Fast forward two, three, four years down the road. And I remember sitting one night looking around thinking, how in the name of God did I ever get here? So, preacher, what happened? It took me farther than I ever wanted to go that right, Kirk, I was doing things I never thought I'd have done. It's getting awful quiet, but you know it's true this morning. I was doing things I never thought I'd have done, uh, going places I never thought I'd go, uh, saying things I never thought I'd say. Uh, and you say, preacher, why is it? Because sin always uh, takes you farther than you ever wanted to go. I thought I was going to say one little word, Ronald, and that was going to be it. Fast forward several years later, and I found myself staying in that place that I thought I was just going to be for just a minute. That right? I remember, Kirk, I remember I'd justify to myself. I'd say to myself, you know what? I, I'm just going to have fun this weekend. Then Monday, I'm going to get better. I'm, Monday's going to be, I'm going to go out. I'm going to have a good time with my friends. But then Monday, everything's going to change. Well, I, I, that girl's awful pretty. I'm going to the movies with her. So I'm going to have fun this weekend. But Monday, everything's going to change. But you know what happened? It just kept getting deeper and getting deeper and getting tighter and getting tighter. And not only was I going farther than I wanted to go, it was keeping me longer than I wanted to stay. And I could not get out of it. Isn't that right? Yeah. Now, I'm not so naive this morning to think we got several young people in here. We got several mamas and daddies. And I'll be honest with you, I used to think you can act all spiritual if you want to. I used to think if I can just make it till I'm married, everything will be easier. There'll be no temptation hogwash. <laughs> Ain't that right? Yeah. Hogwash. It don't get no easier. We're flesh. Isn't that right? right. 
Don't let your mom, well, let me talk to you young people. Don't let your mom and daddy act so spiritual. I promise you the same temptations you got at school, they've got at work. And they, I'm not saying don't listen to your mom and daddy, but they, my mom and daddy said it too. And I'm going to say it to my boys. You ought to be careful who you hang around with. And you ought to realize that your friends make a difference. But can I tell you something that do us mom and daddy is good sometimes look in the mirror and tell ourselves the same thing because we want to fit in at work just as bad as we did when we was in high school. Go ahead and nod your head. Go, go ahead and nod your head. I'm not so naive. These mom and daddies go let little words slip at work to fit in. Well, God help me, I'm trying my best to hurry. And they go tell dirty jokes and they go, well, I just feel like preaching now. Y'all done done it. And listen to me. And they go social drink on the weekend. Christmas parties because uh, they want to fit in. Uh, you mark her down, honey. Sin uh, it will take you farther than you want to go. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay this morning. You say, preacher, I just don't believe it. Watch what happened in Naomi's life, in Elimelech's life. The Bible said they went to sojourn in the country of Moab. It took them seven to 15 days to get there. Not only that, watch with me, verse, latter part of verse 1. The Bible said they went to sojourn in the country of Moab. You know what that word sojourn means? It literally means they went to visit. It literally means a temporary stay. You know what Elimelech, listen, me and my wife sitting there the other night, and we're sitting there, and she got talking about going on vacation. She said, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time on vacation. She said, but I kind of wish we just we, we had the time to just go somewhere, just the four of us, just me, you, and the boys. And I said, well, you know, I was just sitting here thinking, I wouldn't mind going to the beach. And I, I know you can't go down to Myrtle, but maybe we go somewhere different than we usually go. And I said, we just got talking. You know what happened? I said, how about we go? I found this place online. I found the room. I found everything we need. And I said, how about we just take off uh, sometime in October and go down here and stay at this place? Place. You know what I'm saying? I said, let's go go for a few days. Let's go temporarily visit, John. Let's go sojourn, if you would. Okay, right? Well, can't you see Lehman Lake saying, Naomi, things are getting hard? Well, I'm just going to put it in our modern day English. All right. Every once in a while I come in, I say, Kendra, I'm about to lose my mind. I'm about to absolutely pull my hair out of my head. I'm stressed out to the max. I know y'all don't ever get like that, but I do. Uh, and sometimes it just happens. And sometimes she comes in and she says, that hospital's about to make me pull my hair out of my head. I just need to get away for just a little while. Isn't that right? And I just hear Naomi say, Naomi, uh, things are so tough in this drought. Things are so tough in this famine. Things are so hard. Let's just get away for a few days. Uh, let's just go so Sojourn somewhere. Let's just go visit Moab. I know we're not supposed to go there, but let's just go visit for a little while. They went to sojourn, temporarily stay, visit if you would. Then watch what your Bible said. Look with me in verse 2. <coughs> verse 2, latter part of verse 2, the Bible said, And they came into the country of Moab, now watch this, and continued there. You know what happened? I'll pick on me and Kendra again. Every time we've ever went on vacation, We'll, we'll, we'll make reservations and I'll just be honest with you, most time we'll put in six, seven nights and I'll say, well, let's make it six. And then we'll look at the price of that and I'll say, well, let's make it five. And we'll look at the price of that and I'll say, well, let's make it four. And then we'll see that and I'll say, let's make it three. And then we see that and I'll say, uh, we got that much on your credit card? All right, let's do it then. I, I'm just being honest. Uh, but here's what happens. We get up there and we have a good time, Michelle. And it never fails that last day. Me or her want to look at the other one and say, let's stay one more night. Is that right? Let's just stay one more night. We ain't got to stay where we stayed all. Let's just go get some room somewhere. 
Let's just go get a little cheap rooms. Let's just stay one more night. That's what happened to Naomi and Elimelech. The Bible said they went to sojourn, went to this quick visit. Then the Bible said in the part of verse 2, they continued there. Can't you see Elimelech say, Naomi, it's so much better down here. Let's just stay a little while. Let's just stay a little while. Ain't that how sin does? Oh, you're just going to go for one night. You're just going to go for one day. It's just that one party. It's just that one date. It's just that one thing. It's just that one word. It's just a little one. You've got it under control. Everything will be all right. It's just one time. And then before you know it, you'll say, you know what? It was pretty fun. Let's just stay one more day. Okay, right? Let's just stay one more day. Let's just stay one more. The Bible said they continued there. Isn't that right? What's the last part of verse 4? I believe it is. Let me see your Bible, Jessica. You got it open. Where's it at? Ruth 1. Verse 4. The Bible said, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. Watch that last little phrase. And they dwelled there about ten years. They went to sojourn. Then they continued. Then the Bible said they dwelled there. You know what that meant? They done forgot about visiting. They done moved. Ain't that right? They done set up camp, and the Bible said they dwelled there about ten years. Sin always takes you farther than you want to go, and you mark her down. It always keeps you longer than you want to stay. Is that right? Always, friend. You can get mad if you want to. I'm not going to get into all your pet sins or my pet sins or anybody's pet sins. I believe the Holy Ghost is able to do that. But I will tell you this this morning. Sin always takes you farther than you want to go. It's more than just what you're flirting around with. It'll be more than just what you're experimenting with. It'll be more than just that one fun time. It'll take you farther than you want to go. You'll be doing things you never intended to do. Isn't that right? I, I'm not, well, God hit me. I'm not being ugly. And I'm not trying to be graphic, but I'm going to tell you something. I remember when I, was a, when I was a teenager, my mom and daddy tell me, they'd say, now listen, you go out on them dates, they ain't no, you got no reason for you and her to be in a house by yourself. You've got no reason for you and her to be sitting, I don't care if you're just watching TV. I thought, Kirk, I thought that was so stupid. I thought that was so, I mean, I thought it was so stupid. I thought it was so crazy. I thought that was so old fashioned. But you know, I'm, I'm going to be real careful right here, but you let you teenagers listen to me. There's some of you young ladies and some of you young men that you don't, you don't want to go as far as some of your friends are going. But you know what sin will do? You better be real careful how far you do go because it'll take you farther than you want to go. See, what, what I didn't realize John and Mom and Daddy knew was they knew I was flesh and they knew that one thing could lead to another and another thing could lead. Go ahead and nod your head. It'll be all right. Oh, so I know somebody doesn't think a preacher ought not be preaching that. God help us. Somebody needs to. Isn't that right? Uh, hey, listen. Uh, it takes you farther than you ever wanted to go. It takes, it keeps you longer than you ever wanted to stay. You better be real careful what you do this morning. It's not just, heard a preacher say one time, Sin's a funny thing. There's a front door to sin, and there's a back door to sin. 
And you just have to hear him do it. He do it much better than I can. But he talked about the white picket fence and the beautiful paint job and sharing the flowers out front, how beautiful that the front door sin looked. He said, but as you walk through the front door and go through the house and out the back door, you soon discover the backyard's a graveyard and there's spider webs and there's all these things. The front door looks much different than the back door. Isn't that right? You take a Bud Light commercial, they put out this ugly, this ugly fat man, couldn't get a date with nobody. And he's got a blonde supermodel, a redhead supermodel on each arm and a Ferrari in the back and a great big... Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You know what they're doing? They said if you just go drink a Bud Light with your Bud, you could have this... That's exactly right. Don't look at me like I'm stupid. Uh, hey, that's what they're saying. They're, they're not going to put a man wrecking a car and killing a baby. They're not going to show him destroying a family. They're not going to show the divorce that goes through. Uh, they're not going to show him beating his wife and beating his youngin. Uh, they're not going to show all that. Uh, it, sin wants to look good. Isn't that right? But it always takes you farther than you want to go. Keeps you longer than you ever want to stay. Do you realize I talked I talk to a man not too long ago and he told me, he said, Preacher, I remember, I remember when it was just drinking a little bit on Friday night just to get, just to take the edge off. He said, that's how it all started, Preacher, just drinking a little bit on Friday after work to take the edge off. And he said, Preacher, I look back now, I've lost my wife, I've lost my youngins. I've lost my home. I live, I live in a camper. He said, I've lost everything I know. My wife won't speak to me. My youngins won't speak to me. I, I drive by and see another man raising my youngins. I see another man uh, kissing my wife. I see another, I see them happy and my life's falling apart. I can't keep a job. I, I, my education's no good. Uh, he said, preacher, I desperately won't just to quit, but I cannot put it down. You say, preacher, what happened? It took him farther than everyone to go. All he wanted to do was just take the edge off. He never intended John to beat his wife. He never intended to run around on his wife. He never intended to, to, to beat his, his youngins. Uh, he never intended to lose his job. Uh, he never intended to do all those things. Uh, but it took him farther than he wanted to go. Isn't that right? And it's keeping him longer than he wanted to stay. Is that right? Well, ain't that right? Now listen to me. You say, preacher, who are you preaching to? Well, I am preaching to them young people. But I'm preaching to the mamas and daddies. And I got news for you. I'm preaching to the grandmas and grandpas. I heard one old preacher helped me more than anybody in my life, I guess. I asked him as a young preacher, Michelle, I'll I, I be honest with you. I, asked, I mean, as awesome as I be, I asked him, he's 87 years old. And I looked at him and I said, can you tell me something? When can I go into, what age can I be able to go into Walmart and some of the things those women wear not bother my flesh? And he said, I don't know, I'm just 87. Now let that sink in just a minute. For some reason, we've got this idea, well, I'm too old for this to happen. Hogwash. Yeah. I don't care if you're 70 years old. You go, you go to the store and start drinking liquor, it won't be long, you'll be alcoholic. Yeah. that right? Ain't that right? Yeah. We better put a guard upon ourselves uh, and realize just because we've got youngins doesn't mean we can't mess up. Uh, and just because we're married doesn't mean we can't mess up. Uh, and just because we've got a good job doesn't mean we can't mess up. And realize that sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. It'll keep you long and you never want to stay. And what's that last one? It'll cost you far more than you ever want to pay. You say, preacher, what happened? I'm hurting and I'm dying. Notice with me the distance of sin. Notice with me the, the dwelling of sin. They stayed, they sojourned, they continued, then they dwelled. 
Then I want you to notice with me the do's of sin. Verse number three, the Bible tells us that Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Verse number five, and Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left with her two sons and her husband. Now listen to me, listen to me well. That's where I want to get this morning. And I'm almost done. Book of James, chapter number one, verse 14. Bible said, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know, listen to me. You can say whatever you want to. I've been guilty of saying, I've heard people say, well, preach of the devil. Just put that in my mind. No, he didn't. He didn't. Watch what the Bible said. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of what his own lust. Isn't that right? You can say whatever you want to, friend. Our flesh has lust we don't control. The Bible said every man's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Isn't that right? And enticed. You can say whatever you want to. The devil didn't put that in your heart. You were born with it. We make ourselves, we try to make ourselves a whole lot better than what we really are. No wonder the Bible said for all the sin comes from the glory of God. John, we've all got lust. We've all got filthy desires. There's all things that we long for. We are not long for. Isn't that right? It makes us feel better to say, well, the devil made us do it. Or Andrew will tell me, he'll come in there and I'll say, uh, the other day, he, was, him, and the boy, him and Aaron was on the bed and I heard a big crash and they're in the bedroom and I went in there and I said, what happened? And Aaron said, brother kicked me off a bed and it made me fall on the table. And I, I said, Andrew, what'd you do that for? And he said, he made me do it, did he? I, I don't know how, it made him feel better though to blame somebody else. Isn't that right? <laughs> Well, that's exactly right. You might, as well, you might as well just admit it. We all have that nature. Nobody wants to just say, you know what? I've never heard anybody, Kirk, and all the people I've talked to, I've never heard nobody when somebody asked them, why'd you cheat on your wife? There's never been one man just be man enough to look at me and say, because to be honest with you, that's what my flesh wanted to do. I've never heard one, Kirk. That's the truth. That's the truth for every single man ever cheated on his wife. But they'll say something like this. Well, she quit cooking. Well, she quit cleaning. Well, she quit doing this. Or she quit doing that. Or, well, it was the woman's fault because I work with. Because she, Friend, it's your fault. It's your own lust this morning. Whatever it is you're messing with, whatever it is you're dealing with, you've got to understand it's you that wants it this morning. I've said every man's tempted when he's led away by his own lust and enticed. So, preacher, what else does it say? Verse 15 says this. Then when lust hath conceived. See, we've all got lust. Isn't that right? We might as well understand every one of us lusts after things. I'm not just talking about sexual sins. I'm thinking whatever the case is, every one of us has lust in our heart. Every one of us do. But the Bible said when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. See, that lust, that desire, Kirk, can be maintained. It can be controlled by, 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 by walking after the Spirit, not by the flesh, by feeding the Spirit, not the flesh. That lust can be contained and controlled. But the Bible said when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Isn't that right? Then what it's saying, sin when it's finished, bringeth forth death. The wages of sin always have and always will be death. Bible said in Romans 3, 3.20, or let's see, Romans 6.23, I'm sorry. Romans 6.23, the Bible said this, for the wages of sin is death. It's just the truth this morning. 
there is, there's a distance to sin. There's a dwelling of sin, but then there are a do of sin. You listen to me, listen to me well. You mark her down, honey. That bill will come due one day. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't understand all of it. I don't understand how I look around, John. I see people living the way they do, and it seems like everything's going great. It seems like they're in good health. I don't understand all that, but I'll tell you this. It'll come due one day. I know, I don't know exactly how long it was. I know they left Moab, or left Bethlehem, went to Moab to sojourn. They continued. Then the Bible said they dwelled there for 10. I know at least 10 years they stayed in Moab. Isn't that right? And then Elimelech died. Is that right? I don't know how, how long it was between Elimelech to Malon and Chilion, but eventually they died. They had some good years, and the Bible said there's pleasure in sin for a season. They lived it up. They had fun, thought they made the right decision until all of a sudden Elimelech was put in the ground. Is that right? Then Naomi stood there, husband's dead, and I wonder if it began to go through her mind, wonder if we, wonder if we made the wrong decision. Here, now listen, he wasn't supposed to be in Moab. He's supposed to be in Bethlehem, but he's buried in Moab. That right? Ever, he never, never again was remembered for Bethlehem. He'll always be remembered, John, for Moab. And I wonder how many people. I thought about a man. I'm trying to hurry. I promise. I thought about a man that I know in my own life personally, that was a good Christian man. I mean, John, I had confidence in him. And one night, I don't know when nobody knows. Nobody has any idea. I mean, I, he never knew anything was going on in his life. But he, he died in a car wreck one night. And when he died, they did the autopsy and found out that he was drunk the night that he died. Nobody remembers him going to church. Nobody remembers those testimonies. Nobody remembers him teaching Sunday school. Nobody remembers him singing in the choir. They remember him in Moab. That right? All they remember, Kirk, was that he was drunk the night that he died. That right? God, help us. That bill will come due one day. That bill will come due one day. Sin's got a real good way of finding itself out. Do you know that? It's hard to keep it hid. There'll come a day that it comes due. Wonder what, wonder what you'd be remembered for. Wonder right now if God exposed what it is you're messing with. Wonder if people remember you what you want to be remembered. Wonder if you'd be remembered for your Moab. Wonder if they'd associate you with Bethlehem and the house of bread. Would they associate you with God's wash pot? Can I show you something? I'm hurrying. I promise. I got one more point. I'm done. I've never seen this. Never thought about this, John, until just today. But Moab was called God's wash pot. I preached that message not too long ago here to church about not everybody comes out of Moab. Remember that? And I got to think about that. And I thought that wash pot. God let them go down in that wash pot. And he's either going to bring you out clean or you'll not come out at all. Is that right? You're either going to come out clean or you'll not come out at all. I'd be real, real careful about my sin this morning because there is a due to sin and it will come due eventually. Wages of sin is death. Watch this and I'm done. I'm hurrying. Now I brought you down just by as low as I can go. I'm going to try to help us just a minute. So we see the distance of sin, the dwelling of sin, the dues of sin. Make no mistake, that bill always comes due. Then I want you to know, women, I'm done. We've got, we've got about as low as one goes. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you ever want to pay. Isn't that right? But I don't want to leave you in Moab. I want to, I want to at least get us started on the way out, all right? Notice with me this morning, 
Fourthly, and I'm done, verse number six. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had, notice this next word, heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. I want you to know it's not only the the, 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 the distance of sin, the dwelling of sin, the dues of sin, but notice with me the deliverance from sin. Watch what your Bible said. I'm going to give you just a couple of verses and I'm dying. Bible said that after Malon and Chilion died, as she arose with her daughters-in-law with the intent of going back to Bethlehem. Now watch what it said. Because she had heard in the country of Moab, in Moab she heard this, that the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. Isn't that right? Now I don't know. The Bible doesn't go into specifics. I don't know if it's by word of mouth. Ron, I don't know if somebody came to Naomi's house one day and knocked on the door and said, Naomi, I just want you to know, back home the Lord's done, done a work and there's, there's bread. There's, the famine's gone. You've well outlasted the famine. I don't know how it happened, but somehow or another, she heard in Moab, in her sin, John, she heard that God had visited his people and given them bread. Isn't that right? Can I read you a couple of verses and I'm done? Take your Bibles with me quickly and go to the book of Romans, chapter number 10. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what took place. But they want to say this. Thank God somebody got word to Naomi that the Lord had visited his people. And she realized she didn't have to stay where she was. Can I tell you something this morning? I'm not so naive. I'm not looking at anybody and saying, oh, you must be. No, I'm not judging anybody. But I'll tell you this. I realize everybody's got problems. Now, y'all got to help me right here. I'm going to hurry if you help me. Everybody's got problems. There's not a person in this building not struggling with something this morning. Is that right? Now you, well, you can put your halo up there if you want to, but we all know it's hung on two horns. Ain't that right? <laughs> Somebody help me. I'm being honest. Everybody struggles with something. There's something everybody's dealing with. I don't care if you're two years old or if you're a hundred years old. Everybody is dealing with something this morning. But thank God somebody come told Naomi she didn't have to stay where she was. Ain't that right? Can I, I said all that to say this. Sin may have took you farther than you wanted to go. It might have kept you longer than you wanted to stay. It might be costing you more than you ever wanted to pay. But I just come by to tell you, you don't have to stay there this morning. It don't have to stay like that. Thank God, thank God there is a better way. I'm glad there is an answer this evening, this morning. Now, you say, preacher, what is it? Watch what your Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That fella come by, however it happened, Naomi heard that God had visited his people and given them bread. She realized that there was an answer for her problem. Isn't that right? And it wasn't Moab and it wasn't the sin. It finally registered John. She'd went farther than she ever wanted to go. She'd stayed longer than she ever meant to stay. And finally it cost her more than she ever wanted to pay. It cost her a husband. cost her both her boys. Is that right? In fact, all Naomi had left was her daughters-in-law, and they wasn't really hers. Is that right? Watch this. She left. 
Perhaps the first person come on them, Lord, shall be saved. That's when, that's that decision. Now watch this. How then shall they call in him, in him in whom they have not believed? Well, that's a pretty good question, ain't it? Might be somebody asking that this morning. Say, preacher, I realize I'm in sin. I realize this took me farther. I realize this kept me longer. I realize this cost me more. But preacher, how can I believe, how can I call on somebody that I hadn't even believed in? Well, Paul's getting ready to give you the answer. And it's a pretty good answer, by the way. Watch what he's saying. Watch this. And I'm done. I promise you. I won't preach a minute past one o'clock. Watch this. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except to be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed thy report? Watch verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You say, preacher, how can I call on somebody? How can I ask the Lord to save me this morning if I've never even, if I've never even heard of him? How can I ask, how can I ask him to save me if I've never put my faith in him? Well, the truth of the matter is, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God loved you enough this morning. They're going to come, whenever y'all get ready, come on, sing. Listen to me. The Lord loved you enough this morning that He sent, sent, just sent feeble old me by this way. Tell you, you didn't have to go farther than you ever wanted to go. You didn't have to stay longer than you ever wanted to stay. It didn't have to cost you more than you wanted to pay. There is another way this morning. Over at Romans 6.23, I, I quoted partly to you a while ago, for the wages of sin is death. But it went on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You don't have to pay that debt. It's already been paid, friend. Right? Jesus already died in your stead. You don't have to pay that debt. It's already been paid. Wonder this morning, we stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking. Wonder if there'd be one this morning just honest enough, nobody looking this morning, just me and the Lord. Would it be one be honest enough to say, Preacher, I've never been saved. Preacher, if I died right now, I'd go to hell. Would you slip your hand up and right back down? Would you do that? Would there be one honest enough to say, Preacher, sins took me farther than I ever wanted to go. It's cost me more than I ever wanted to pay. It's kept me longer than I ever wanted to stay. Preacher, would you, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and right back down? Nobody looking this morning, just me and the Lord. Would there be one slipping up and right back down? Preacher, that's me. Would you pray for me? I'm not embarrassed you. I'm not come to you. I'd just love to pray for you. Would you do that? All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen to me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to look down on you. She's going to need you come. They're going to sing. Would you come? Come this morning. Sin taking you farther than you ever want to go. Keeping you longer than you ever want to stay. Costing you more than you ever want to pay. Would you come? Would you come this morning? I hey, some in the altar. Would you come? Something you're dealing with? Hey, you say, preacher, I, I, we know ourselves this morning. Wonder if they'd be one be honest enough to say, preacher, maybe I'm not going that way yet, but I know there's something the Lord's putting in my heart. There's something that I've got in my mind. There's something that I could easily go after. Would you come this morning? Would you come? Hey, summer coming. Would you come? 
some verses. The Bible says Romans chapter 3 verse number 23 for all of sin that comes for the glory of God. Do you realize this morning that you've never been saved, that you're a sinner? You realize that? Alright. That's just because that all of us are sinners. Isn't that right? I mean we, we've all sinned and come short. Romans 5 8, that's my favorite verse. But God commends his love toward us and that while we
church, man, and I appreciate you two young ladies and young men here in church. And uh, good to see this family with us. I appreciate yeah. that. Amen. And uh, I'm glad the Lord still saved the teenagers. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. And uh, 